Welcome to another episode of Culinary School Stories, the weekly podcast that is dedicated to sharing the stories of people around the globe whose lives have been influenced, impacted, touched, and or enriched, for good or for bad, from their culinary school experience. Hi, my name is Colin Roach and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. You are an important part of this show where we ask the question, what's your culinary school story? So now, without any further delay, let's meet today's guest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Culinary School Stories podcast, a proud member of the Food Media Network. And if you have not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. It is free, and we would love to have you as part of our community. You can subscribe or follow the show through your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or you can do it through our website at www.culinaryschoolstories.com, which is also where we store all of the podcast past episodes and our guests' bios and contact information. So be sure to check out the website and sign up for our monthly newsletter. So now, without any further delay, I would like to introduce today's guest, who has a great story to share with all of us. A late bloomer to culinary school, he was on a separate career track with Sony Electronics until they outsourced all their production overseas. Forced to look for a new career, he turned to culinary school to pursue this new passion. And that decision has taken him all the way to the Culinary Olympics in Germany as a USA team member. And that is just part of Chef Joe Peroni's story. Joe, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and uh, thanks for your time today. And I'm looking forward to telling my story to you. Awesome. Can't wait. So let's, let's jump right into where that transition happened, that career transition. You were on a different path. Yeah. How did you get notified that that was going to end? And then how did that bring you to your next career at culinary school? Yeah, so growing up in southwestern PA, it was about an hour south of Pittsburgh, uh, a lot of manufacturing jobs here, a lot of technology. So right out of high school, I really didn't have any solid plans. So uh, I joined the family and went to Sony Electronics, pretty much, you know, my mom, my dad, aunts, uncles, cousins, we all worked there. That was the place to be. So I was there for almost seven years when we got the word that we were shutting down in uh, Mexico, Japan, and Indonesia were taking all of our production so through foreign trade laws, uh, they had to pay for two years schooling and two years unemployment compensation. Oh. Uh, growing up, you know, with my grandparents, I spent a lot of time with them in the summers. Uh, my grandfather and I, our tradition would be we would uh, on Saturdays, we would make breakfast. My job was to bread, uh, take the bread, toast it, <laughs> put the butter and the jelly on it. Uh, and then we would go to all the grocery stores. We'd hit those up. We would take the flyers with us looking for free samples. So Food was always a very, you know, integrated part of my childhood, but I never once thought of it as a career choice. Once we got the final word that, yes, we were uh, being outsourced, that's when I really started looking. And I wanted to go to Le Cordon Bleu Culinary School. I went down, visited that. But, uh, you know, once I saw the price tag of that, I was a little sticker shock. So uh, I went on a different route. I met with some advisors and counselors, and they were suggesting health fields. So I was signed up for dietetic technology uh, with Westmoreland County Community College. Um, maybe thinking I would go for culinary later on, but thankfully uh, where I went, the hospitality umbrella covered the dietetic program and some of the introductory classes were, you know, foods one, intro to hospitality. So mm-hmm. right away I knew, like once I got in the kitchen, it was like, okay, this is something that I, you know, I want to do. 
Um, so I got a job in a local restaurant. Uh, I went from making really good money at Sony down to like $8 an hour, you know, no benefits, <laughs> working every weekend, grinding. And I was, I was loving it, uh, which is kind of, you know, kind of strange, but you know, in our world, it, it all makes sense. And I was going to school for dietetics, working in restaurants. And um, yeah, it just kind of took off from there. I finished my dietetics degree and then I worked on my culinary degree right after that. So it was uh, a really good time at culinary school and the transition was pretty simple for me. It's, you know, being from Southwestern PA, we have that blue collar work ethic. So it was just put your head down and grind the whole time. Perfect. So when Sony outsourced, they had to pay for your education. I'm guessing that was a limited amount of tuition they would pay. That's why you couldn't do the Cordon Bleu. Yeah, it was a limited amount of tuition. And plus at that time, they were only, you know, going to compensate us for schools that they felt were, you know, of high demand okay. uh, necessities. So they didn't view culinary arts as something, a career choice in high demand. So that's why a lot of my advisors were saying go into the health field. Um, so that's why I went the direction I did. But yeah, that, that helped out tremendously though, like with the two years unemployment, even though I was working in restaurants full time, there was a few transition periods there where it really helped out. But definitely, you know, the schooling uh, on its own is affordable for the school I went to, Westmoreland County Community College. But I mean, it helped out tremendously. I didn't have that burden and stress of worrying about how I'm going to pay for this and, you know, pay rent and everything while while doing this new adventure. Right. right. So you originally went for the dietetics, but there was some mm -hmm. crossover with the culinary, obviously, you know, the kitchen work. And that's yeah. when you were in those classes and you said, no, this is, this is, yeah. this is really what I like. Yeah. Like the first semester was like some gen ed classes. And then I had, you know, uh, some of my nutrition and then foods one, which was, you know, the introductory food class for the, the school. And, you know, it was everybody from dietetics, hospitality, tourism, uh, culinary and baking pastry, they had to take that since it's all under the same umbrella. So, I mean, right away, it was like, that's where I was most comfortable. And uh, the textbooks of the, the nutrition really, um, they, they were challenging for me. I, I struggled to get B's <laughs> in that class, but culinary, it, I don't want to say I didn't have to study it, but it just, I kind of absorbed it. And it was so interesting to dive into all that information that it was like really easy to excel pretty quickly at it. Sure. So what was the dynamics like in that class? I mean, you had people probably all different ages, you had different backgrounds, yeah. some were probably a fish out of water. You really yep. took to that class. I mean, was there people like just didn't know what they were doing or were they really struggling? Yeah. yeah so there was a crazy dynamic. And, um, you know, we, we had a lot of kids right out of high school who, you know, just thought Food Network was really cool. And it was back then in like 2007. Um, that was definitely one of the driving points for me to go to culinary was like stuff like Alton Brown's Good Eat and Iron Chef. But then there was people like me who, you know, mid twenties, you know, second career path. There were people who were in their forties and fifties who were looking to switch to culinary. And then we had some people who were just going to get like certificates through the hospitality programs just to, you know, learn a little bit more about cooking, not to be professional chefs, but to take that information back to their homes and so they can entertain their friends and family a little bit better. But there was one point actually, uh, Colin, where I was like done with school. I was like, this isn't for me because wow. uh, I was so uh, career driven and I was so focused. And there were a lot of like really young, uh, immature people I felt. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like I'm out. And um, that was really when the mentorship started for me at the school because I remember one of the ladies, uh, Mary Zapone, 
who was the uh, director of the, the board, she pulled me aside one day and her and I had very little dialogue up to that point. And she was talking to me very serious. She's like, look, you're going to be able to do great things. We really want you to stick around. Um, you know, we're, we're going to help you out as much as we can. And uh, from there on, it was like, okay, I got, I got your support. And it, it was frustrating at times with the dynamic of, you know, somebody who really didn't want to be there. They come in, yeah. you know, their coats were all wrinkled up. You know, I was every day clean shaven, press jackets. Um, but, you know, there was certain little pockets of people that, you know, I associated myself with some of the older, more mature crowd is who I had the best dynamics with and uh, friendships still to this day. I still talk to those people who I went to school with. And uh, yeah, really, but that's where like the mentorship started was because of that dynamic. And it was just such a, a shock to me that yeah. people weren't taking it as seriously as I did. That's very interesting because I know a lot of listeners out there, you know, they have doubts, you know, like everybody does, you know, yeah. so they're maybe starting in school or thinking about going to school. And at some point, you know, maybe those doubts are, are viable, right? Or valid. Mm -hmm. you, maybe it's not for you, but sometimes it could be just, it's just a rough patch and they just need that little boost to get through that. So do you think yours was more disappointed with the school or the program or the students that were in it, or was it the culinary field overall? Uh, so I'll, I got, well, to backpedal, also going through that time, I was working at an independent restaurant. And uh, to be quite honest, like we were getting bounced paychecks. Wow. It was like a really a bad environment for me. Um, so I was, I had that bitter taste in my mouth. And then it, I don't think it was the school that I was upset with at all or the program. It was definitely some of the you know, the, the students and, you know, a lot of them aren't in the hospitality field anymore at all. It was just kind of like a little a phase for them. But that was kind of, uh, I, I think, just a nice, perfect storm of things that got me thinking like, this isn't going to be for me. Mm -hmm. But really just... Um, now, how did this advisor know? Were you withdrawing or was it the grades or she just took it upon herself just, you know, give you that little mentor boost? I mean, I think it was... I was talking to some of the other, you know, adjunct professors like, Hey, what do you know about this school? Or, you know, you taught here, how's that school in comparison to this? And, you know, at the time I felt because they all worked at Westmoreland, they were saying, Oh no, you want to stay here. It's, it's better. Uh, you know, they were comparing other schools. It's almost like, you know, a feeding system where they're just bringing people in and pushing them out as fast as they can. But so there was word going around that, you know, I was maybe looking to potentially switch schools, and that's when she stepped in. And like I said, we had very little dialogue up to that point, but you know, she was vital in my career. Even up to, to this day, I still keep in contact with her whenever I'm making decisions on career moves or need advice on you know, the next steps in my personal development and growth. Yeah, so that, that's that's really good because as a you know teacher myself or anyone in education, you know we're in there we're having an influence on people's lives all the time, yeah. you know good or bad, you know sure it's for good. So what would you advise somebody that is having trouble right now? I mean, sh should they talk to someone, seek someone out, or get that mentor? And, and how could they how could they do that? Yeah, so I, I, looking back at it now, it's you know almost forty years old now. It's you know a twenty four year old Joe Peroni. You know, I was stubborn. I did, I just wanted what was best for me. But you know, you gotta talk to those people and form those relationships. Um, it's sometimes you know you may feel embarrassed going to talk to them, but you know if you're really taking yourself uh, and your career seriously, which you should, you know, seek that advice from somebody you respect, a mentor, uh, somebody who's going to be there with you uh, for schooling if it's two to four years. 
you know, you're going to have that rock and that stability. So definitely seek that out. Um, and, you know, find a good support group with, you know, friends, family, coworkers, and classmates. It's going through it on your own is never easy, but having, uh, especially like the faculty support was really kind of got me through it and helped me excel in everything I've done there since then. Yeah, that's great advice for anyone that's listening that's going through that right now is talk to somebody, whether it's family, friends, the people at the school, they're they're vested in you. They want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. And as a culinary educator professor myself, you know, we all have office hours and you, you know, you could count on your hand the number of students that come to office hours because they just don't come. But if you're struggling in a class or struggling in a program or degree, go talk to someone, talk to your professors, talk to the advisors, talk to deans, somebody they can, you know, make change for you but worst thing is to keep it bottled up inside yeah and it, i mean it goes with your whole schooling it's you know i had um an accounting for managers class through my dietetics degree and it was the hardest class i ever took and i was like like second weekend i'm like can i can i get a tutor because there's no way i was going to pass that without one I'm like yeah we got tutor hours and it was like you know just swallowing your pride as a as a person it's like ask for help and like you said that's as a professional and instructor, like you're there to help and, you know, put people in the right guidance. So definitely, you know, uh, asking for help. Family sometimes might be another, another story. Um, you know, I know when I first said, Hey, I want to go to culinary school. They're like, mm, you sure about that? Uh, because we did have, you know, some, some family and friends who went to culinary school and, you know, never really achieved the things they dreamed of, um, you know, kind of worked at, you know, some local restaurants, some chain restaurants, but it wasn't like a, a career that they, they saw it. But I do think once my family saw like how much I was devoting of myself, my time and energy into it, um, you know, they, they saw that I could, you know, make something out of myself, I believe. And, um, you know, I know I made them proud over the years with some of the things I've done. So I think they're, they're all right with my choice now. Yeah, I hear that from a lot, and it was probably my case as well as I came up through. It's like, you know, back then when it was like more of a domestic, you know, you said you wanted to go to culinary school. People mm-hmm. were like, what? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't do that. You know, talk you out of it. And then, of course, Food Network, things like that came out, and then we became like celebrities in some people's eyes. And yeah. And it's like, oh, wow, you're a chef. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I do throw the, the, the term chef. It's, it's thrown around a lot, and, you know, me coming up, it was always like, there was like one chef in the kitchen. Um, so like people, you know, until recently, like they say, oh, you're a chef. It's like, no, I'm, I'm a cook or I'm a culinarian. I'm a culinary apprentice. I never like put that title on myself because I felt like I never earned it. But, you know, as me now is like mentoring younger people, like I'll call them chef. I'll call, you know, our dishwasher chef, you know, sure. anybody who's part of the kitchen. It's like, how you doing today, chef? And they're like, what? They're like, should I call you chef? So you can call me Joe. It's just a kind of respect thing. <laughs> just a name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's so true. Yeah. I think definitely Food Network helped kind of spark a lot of interest with people and, you know, good and bad because, uh, you know, you have people now who's like, I want to do fine dining. I want to do Michelin star. It's like, okay, fry an egg, make an omelet. <laughs> You know, make a hollandaise. It doesn't separate. Cut Julianne, Brunois, do something. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start. There. Yeah, then we can talk. <laughs> um, there was a meme that somebody showed me. It was a, a staircase. And it was like culinary school. And then somebody taking this long step. And it was like working the past plating with tweezers. It's like, and I feel that's what a lot of people want to do. That really intricate little details. But I mean, there's a long, long road to go to get there. 
but finding the right mentors, the right environment for you will definitely accelerate that path a little bit more for you. Yeah, yeah. And if you have that passion from the start, you know, you, lo- you lose a lot of that frustration along the way because you're hitting those objectives, but it's all part of the journey. That's really what you're enjoying. Mm-hmm. You're not looking at that. There's an end point somewhere down the road. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. So you're talking about culinary school and why we're on that topic. Do you think culinary school is needed to be successful in this industry? No, I don't. Um, one of the best chefs I work for, his name's Kyle Krieger. He's taught me so much over the years and he was just kind of self-taught, grew up in the restaurants, widely successful. I mean, you can ask him anything from like, you know, just basic classic French fundamentals to charcuterie. He's an amazing ice sculptor, one of the best mentors I ever had. But I do think what culinary school gives is a better chance to be successful. Mm-hmm. People like Chef Krieger are few and far between in my eyes who just kind of get into the industry and flourish in it. But I do think culinary school will get you there a lot faster and you'll have a lot more information uh, and be more valuable to a a wider aspect of companies that if you would just go on at your own. Um, For me, I think if I didn't go to culinary school, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. I don't think I'd be in the industry at all because I feel that was all that information given to me was what really kind of led me, uh, you know, on my career path and without it, like just working like independent restaurants. I mean, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, but if you're happy with that, great. But if you really want to go far and, you know, get the good career and get the good paying job down the road, I think culinary school is definitely, you know, something you should be considering very heavily. And it doesn't have to be, you know, CIA or, Johnson & Wales. It can be your local community college if you don't have the resources, funds for that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Sure. Um, but, you know, people here like, are you into a community college? It's like, yeah. So it, they just have like the stigma to it. It's, yeah. You didn't learn there. It's just kind of like a, up to go. Well, Hollandaise is Hollandaise. Julianne's Julianne. No matter what, you're, they're, learning, they're learning the same techniques. So yeah, and it's. I always tell people it's it's the student, it's not the school. Mm-hmm. If you want to learn and you want to be successful, there's nothing holding you back. But if you know, don't blame the school for it. Don't blame like me, like the other students around you. It, it's all up to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, community college. I went to Southern Maine Community College up in Portland for my hotel kind of degree associates. And community colleges are great. You know, mm-hmm. I think people sometimes overlook them and they're an opportunity yeah. that's right there in your community and it can save you a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. And like, I know when we were going, we had the CIA textbooks, we had the Cordon Blue textbooks. So pretty much that same information was available to us. Um, we didn't have as many resources at the school that some of those other institutions did, but I mean, we had a great base foundation to build our careers on after that. Sure. So definitely, I recommend it, but I don't think it's 100% necessary. Um, Definitely, I'm glad I did it. Well, (laughs) I'll put it that way. Yeah. And I think you can make it, as you mentioned, without going to school. It's it's sometimes a little bit harder. You know, it takes a little bit longer. Culinary school seems to cut off some of that time, you know, get you to jump started a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. And I think it also exposes you to more, maybe just scratching the surface, not in a deep way, but it shows you a lot more that you may not get working like as an apprentice with maybe one chef for three years in culinary school. In two years, you may be exposed to 12 different chefs and different cuisine and products. So get you a little bit more, a little quicker, I guess. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just the different mix of cuisines and styles of cooking. Like we did aspic and tallow work, which is kind of irrelevant today. But we had, you know, it wasn't like a, a skill set, but we had at least the fundamental knowledge of it. Um, and like you said, like we had international cooking and chefs who taught different things and ice carvings. And so it's really, you get a nice mix of everything. And then it's up to you kind of to find your niche where you want to go and uh, what you really want to focus your efforts on. Right, right. Did you have a favorite class when you were in culinary school or a worst class? Or? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. My favorite class was uh, baking one. Wow. And it was because we had a, a local CMB certified master baker named uh, Chef Kurt Kalaney, who moving back to the area, I'm really happy because I was like in the downtown one day. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is his pastry shop. Like I went in, wow. he wasn't there because he's still, he's still doing all the baking at nighttime. So he'll work all through the night. Um, but I just got a text from him the other day and it made me smile so much that he remembered me. And I remember we all had uh, pictures taken with him and we gave them to him years ago and cards and he sent me a picture of that. So it was like, holy cow, this guy still remembers me after all these years. I thought I was like this nobody. But the passion that Chef Kalani had was just like infectious. And I want to learn so much. And because I think like I never really baked, especially at that kind of a level, like I just want to learn everything. Like, why can't you use that flour instead of this one? If I don't have not that, I remember texting him, I think it was on Christmas Eve, like, chef, I don't have, I don't have non-fat dry milk solids for donuts. What do I do? And he texted me back and walked me through it. But baking one was one that always kind of, I reflect on and I still tell people about, I tell people about the passion that Chef Kalani had. And um, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Least favorite. Oh man. There weren't any that was like, there weren't any that were like, oh man, this is a chore. I would say more like the gen ed classes, the accounting for managers. But as far as like the culinary field goes, they were all pretty much uh, very well received. And, you know, some of them like, uh, like the dining room, you know, etiquettes and everything. It's like, okay, but you need to know that stuff. Yeah. It wasn't like a favorite, but it wasn't like, oh, this is a chore to go, yeah. go to this today. But Especially at the time, you're probably like, why do I need to know this? But yeah. later on, you look back and you go, wow, that, that's, that's pretty important. It comes in handy. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, definitely fake one was always bring a smile to my face. Do you have uh, anyone that influenced you personally, professionally, as you were coming up to where you are now in your career that you want to give a shout out to? Maybe one, two people and, and why? Yeah. So uh, so after culinary school, I went to the Greenbrier Resort and I, I was uh, hired as a pantry attendant. And I worked my way up to an apprentice cook, and that's a three-year apprenticeship program. Uh, and during my time there, two of the chefs who were very uh, uh, influential in my career were Drew Garms and Stephen Halliday. They were our chairman apprenticeship, uh, apprenticeship chairmen at the time, and they were very unselfish in what could have been selfish times uh, with me because they would take all the time out of the day to talk to me, show me cookbooks, show me a better way of doing something teaching me techniques that I've never seen before and really expecting a lot out of me. Um, I could have easily kind of slid by, but you know, they put a lot of pressure on me and I felt at that time, my career, my life, like that's what I needed to excel um, working with those two. And then spending from 2011 up until uh, the beginning of this year with uh, certified master chef, Rich Rosendale, mm. that was uh, you know, you can't put a price tag on something like that. But those three were pretty much um, professionally like the guys who really kind of 
developed me into the culinarian that I am and, you know, still strive to be like all three of them. Now, were they influential on getting you into competitions? And maybe you could talk about the American Culinary Federation, pros and cons for you and for the listeners out there and certification in general. Yeah. So the, uh, at the time, the, the Greenbrier Colony Apprenticeship Program was ACF certified. So every year we would have several K-comps that were judged internally. Um, and that's just like a one hour competition. If you have chicken, for example, or consomme, we would do like these little cooking competitions and Chef Drew and Chef Stephen Halliday were always, you know, the ones kind of organizing that and pushing us creative, uh, creatively uh, to kind of push new boundaries get us out of our comfort zone. And then at the end of the year, we would have uh, our graduation ceremony. So the three years that you're there, the first year, you're just kind of an apprentice to the seniors. So you're just kind of learning the ins and out of the apprenticeship and competition. So junior year, we had to do a buffet platter for eight people. We had to do a five course lunch. Uh, both of those were prepared hot, presented cold. Uh, the buffet platter, I'm sorry, was a cold platter. And then we had to do an ice carving. Senior year, we had to do a, and these are all judged individually. We had to do hors d'oeuvres, buffet platter, five course, ice carving, and then a four hour hot food cooking competition. So those were all ACF sanctioned and certified. So it was great because uh, I got to spend a lot of time with some some really amazing chefs, um, Chef Hartman Hanke, uh, Chef Rudy Speckcamp, Brian Campbell, Brad Barnes, Keith Kokenhauer, just all these chefs who would come in, uh, Peter Timmons, and judge us at, the, you know, we, even though we're still apprentices and students, they held us at that ACF professional level, uh, which was hard at some times. Yeah. You know, they were very real with us, but it was you know, unvaluable experience. It was really amazing, but definitely those guys all kind of, you know, at the time were building us up for, you know, what could be an ACF culinary team USA run. Um, and, you know, that's what I eventually went on to do. So, you know, without those gentlemen, uh, there would be no way I could have done, you know, the culinary team without them and the, the knowledge they gave me throughout the years so unselfishly. Yeah, that's awesome, especially the feedback you would get from that those level of chefs. I mean, that's just that's schooling right there, right? That's an education. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's funny. Like, I just moved recently, and I was going through some cookbooks, and I opened up one, and pieces of paper fell out. I'm like, what is this? And it was from our uh, hot food competition of seniors, myself and uh, Derek Desco. He was my tag team partner. Uh, and it was notes from a critique, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, And I'm reading through it, and it's like, holy cow. Like, we, we noted everything because – I mean, that's in the moment, like if you don't write it down, you're going to forget. And here I am, you know, that was 2014, 2021. It's like, I still got the notes. So really cool. Yeah. But yeah. Having those guys, uh, they're spending the time with you, giving critiques and feedback and answering questions. I mean, that's, it was, it was just awesome. An awesome time for all of us. Now you spent some time working with Rich in his operation, his kitchens and stuff. Yeah. And, and that is, that's a, amazing thing right there. Maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about that experience and working with him, who's a master chef. Yeah. So my experience with him um, goes back to, you know, 2010 when I was in culinary school, he and I grew up about 15 minutes apart in Southwestern Pennsylvania. And, you know, people hear Rich Rosendale certified master chef and they think, 
Culinary Institute of America. He went to the same community college I went to. Wow. So when he got his CMC credentials, Colin, he came back to the school. Uh, he was inducted into the Culinary's uh, Hall of Fame at our school, uh, along with Keith Kokenhauer and Sean Culp, who were three members of uh, previous ACF Team USA. And that was the first time I met him. And uh, I remember several people, Mary Zapone and Steve Wardega at the school, they were like, you need to go to the Greenbrier because he just left Rosendale Restaurant went back to the green briar. They're like, you need to go there. So I went, I listened to my mentors and I remember within the first couple of weeks, he came down to me and he's like, Hey, do you know what the Boku's door is? And at the time, like, I've never heard of it. And I was like, no chef. He's like, all right, come up to the bunker. That's what we call it. The bunker, you know, one day at night, we'll have you do some stuff. And little did I know what I was getting myself into. So uh, from the time I started, it was, you know, I was always kind of associated with him because of our upbringings here in Southwestern PA, the school. Right. And then I think, um, you know, going to the Greenbrier and helping with Boku store just evolved in this relationship where, you know, carried on up until uh, he left there. Then my private events out of his house and, you know, Maxwellton, West Virginia, we would ship stuff to Florida. Um, but really it was once he started uh, in DC and had the concept for the restaurant, you know, he and I started having some dialogue back and forth. And I went on there as the, uh, the chef de cuisine of the restaurant. And then I actually became a business partner with him um, for that, that operation. But during my time there, you know, I would, uh, when I left, I was the uh, research and development chef. So pretty much working with him directly hand in hand every day. Um, and just being around him, it's infectious. And, you know, the, just the way I look at things differently now, mm-hmm. you know, professionally, uh, as a, as a person, as a man now, it's a lot of his qualities have rubbed off on me and so many other great culinarians around us. But I mean, it was, you know, people don't get that kind of an opportunity to have that mentorship for, you know, 10 years working directly with somebody and, you know, the relationship, you know, will be, be great for the next 10 years. It's, there'll be an open line of dialogue. And, you know, he told me, if you ever need anything, just let me know. I'll do whatever I can to help. You need recommendations. So I mean, to work under, you know, a guy like that uh, for that long is is just a really, you know, humbling experience. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it just changes your, the way you look at things and he's ever evolving too. I mean, the Rich Rosendale from competition years, uh, you know, with the ACF Culinary Team USA, Boku store to the Rich Rosendale now is like this multifaceted business owner. He has so many, you know, pans in the fire that you got to have respect for the guy for being able to, you know do all that and still raise a beautiful family who I'm really close with. Like uh, his uh, sons and I, we always, we went to several like uh, wrestling matches in the city of DC and <laughs> you know, we're, we're really cool. And just, uh, yeah, just welcomed me right into the family. So, you know, as a chef, great as a person. Or, um, so definitely having a mentor like that is, you know, a once in a lifetime thing for me. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to take a quick pause right now and ask you, the listener of this episode, to sign up for our newsletter and mailing list. I left a link in the description below, or maybe even easier to just go to https slash slash chefroach slash contact. That's chefroach, all one word, slash contact. Then just go down to the bottom of the page and sign up for our newsletter. It's free. And then once you're signed up, 
you will never miss out on our latest news, announcements, episodes, contests, course information, or exclusive deals. So go ahead, sign up so you can get all of this information and more through the periodic email updates. And don't worry, you can always unsubscribe if you don't like it. The link again is https colon slash slash chef roach slash contact. So go ahead, do it now. We want you to be part of our community. And if you don't do it now, you will probably just forget by the time this episode is over. So just hit pause right now and take the 15 to 20 seconds to get it done and then come back and hit play. We'll wait for you. I promise. Okay, hopefully you just did it, or you have already done it in the past, or at the very least, you will be doing it very soon. Your support of the show and the network is very important to us, and we thank you in advance. Alrighty, so now back to the show. So now you're at a country club, right? You're working yep. there, and is, is that the path that you eventually went down? You, you didn't go into the independent restaurants. You stayed hotels, resorts, and now you're – maybe you could talk about that career path and where you're at now. Yeah, so uh, when I started looking for the next chapter, the next story, um, it's funny. I cycled right back to culinary school. I went and talked to uh, Dr. Komarinsky, who's running the program now, and it's like, hey – Here's where I'm at. Uh, I didn't have any plans. Like I was open for anything. If it was going to be, you know, an independent restaurant, I had several people who tried to get me to think of doing my own restaurant, which I wasn't really comfortable with right now, especially like during the pandemic. But she was one that I kind of went to. Was like, hey, like, are you hearing anything? What are people, you know, in the industry like? Are you hearing any positions open? And she gave me several leads. Um, but then I worked with a, a gentleman named David Myers, and he helped me kind of, you know, solidify Rolling Rock Club. I was doing an interview, a three-day interview with another property uh, in Pennsylvania here, and I just wasn't wasn't feeling it from the time I walked through. It was going to be a really good position, uh, you know, executive chef title, all these perks and benefits. But I was like, this isn't going to. It sounds bad, but I was comparing it to the Greenbrier. I'm like, this is not going to make me happy. This is no Greenbrier. Yeah. And, you know, I got contacted by Rolling Rock. I'm like, hey, why don't you come check out the property? And I was on such a strict time schedule. I'm like, listen, I got from like 10 a.m. to 12 on this day because I was commuting, uh, living in D.C. So I, I came back here and I had to get right back to D.C. to get some work done. And I came down and I talked to the COO. And like, as soon as I walked through the doors, it's like it kind of had that energy and I was looking around, I was like, oh man, this, this is going to be it. <laughs> so we talked for probably four hours. I canceled all the rest of my day appointments and I delegated some of my other tasks to the other team who was with us. And um, yeah, I stayed here uh, for a couple more hours than I was supposed to and really just had a great, you know, open, open conversation with the COO. And he invited me back to do a tasting and, and meet the culinary team here. And but really it was like that kind of like that first impression. I walked in, I was like, Man, it's like a little little trip down memory lane. It just felt right. So that's when I kind of just stopped looking and did my tasting here and thankfully went very well and uh, I am where I am. Awesome. And that's a sporting club, isn't it? Yeah. So we do have, you know, beautiful golf courses, but that's not what a lot of the membership comes here for. We have several uh, trap and clay pigeons uh, areas. There's, you know, fly fishing. We have our own hatchery. So we raise our own trout for it. Great. 
I believe it was like 17 miles of it. So it's really cool to get lost in the backwoods <laughs> and experience that. Um, we have duck hunting. We raise our own pheasants. Uh, we have quails and we have our own dog. We raise dogs for hunting. So it's really like a sportsman's club. And we have our outdoor pools and tennis, but it's a very private, uh, exclusive club. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're not doing crazy numbers, but what we are doing is just trying to give our, our membership, you know, a really flawless experience. They're not going to be able to get anywhere else with some of the other clubs surrounding us in the Pittsburgh area that they're also members of. Well, that sounds awesome. So what would be next for you? I mean, obviously you're happy there. It'll probably be a, yeah. a long career there, but you know, looking towards the future, you have dreams, goals, aspirations. Where do you see yourself five years, 10 years? What's your ultimate plan? So it's funny because as I'm like, you know, working on all these accolades and, you know, I've done the Greenbrier apprenticeship. Uh, I've done the United States coloring team, USA, uh, I was on the regional team. We won a gold medal, third place in the world. I was chef de cuisine of the Greenbrier. I worked on our master chef. I'm now at this private exclusive country club. My end goal, Colin, is to have a little pizza and ice cream restaurant <laughs> because those are the two foods that always make me the happiest. Uh, and they always put a smile on my face. And I think no matter where the world and country goes and how taste evolves, like you're always going to love pizza. You're always going to love ice cream. So yeah, those are two things. Even going back to culinary school, like, that was like my goal. It's like, I want to have a pizza and gelato bar. And, uh, and it still kind of is, but it's just, you know, getting there to that line is, I, I got a while, a way to go. I still want to, sure. you know, do a little bit more and be able to offer some more mentorship now that I'm in the, the position I am to some of the younger culinarians. But I'm in no no rush at all to to jump into another project like that. Sure, maybe teaching someday. You know, give give back. You know, maybe even your community college there. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see myself. Um, I mean, even right now, if they want me to come in for a day to do, you know, a you know a, a section on garmache and aspic work and you know things that we applied at the the Culinary Olympics in Stuttgart, Germany last year, I would be more than happy. And you know, we I'm thankful that I do have that relationship with the school that we could have that conversation and mm-hmm. uh, you know, that opportunity would arise. But yeah, definitely. I think that might be something I would look forward to if, you know, I had a little more, more uh, free time on my hands, but that'll be <laughs> busy now. Yeah, for sure. So talk about Germany then, because that's a life-changing experience. You know, yeah. people never get to experience, you know, it's very limited, but the, you know, the big show over there, but then also the competition alone, maybe you could just tell the audience a little bit about that. I mean, the whole thing, traveling, the logistics yeah. alone. I mean, it's just a, an amazing opportunity. So I was invited to try out for the team about seven months before the competition happened. Um, our team was the regional team. We were uh, self-funded. Uh, Chef Michael T did uh, so graciously buy us our tickets to Germany. He got us some some beautiful jackets for us to wear over there. But we were a self-funded team, so um, we would travel every month to a new kitchen, typically whether it's in Baltimore, Naples, Florida, uh, DC, Charlotte, um, and we would do practices as a team to uh, you know kind of work on our program. Uh, we did that for a couple of reasons. So we wanted to make ourselves kind of uncomfortable going into a new kitchen every month. That way we didn't get, you know, in the system of like, okay, this is where we're going to be every single month. And it's all the same. When we get to Germany. It's like, right. all right, we're, where are we working at? Like, you're going to be over here. Like I'm, I'm going to set up over here, but so like the logistics, like the planning of that was always in the background and we're like, okay, how can we condense 
this program into like three small containers to ship it over there without like huge cost and, you know, excess waste going over there. So we did that. And um, it was really like a, a, an awe-inspiring kind of event because, you know, when we were planning for it, it's just like, it was so far away. And then it was like, it was there. We were like three practices out. It's like, oh my gosh, like this, this is it. We're going to Germany. And I have never left the country before I visited, you know, a handful of States. So for me, going to Germany was, was huge, but, you know, getting everything packed up and uh, shipped there, I'm like, there's just a lot of nervous energy and, we're like, what if customs take something? And what if this gets damaged? What if our plates break? But thankfully, everything kind of went, you know, went in our way. We got there and we had a beautiful kitchen space that, uh, you know, our coach, uh, Raymond Hoffmeister, who's another CMC, you know, loved the man. It's It was, you know, so great to be able to spend that quality time with him and, you know, grow as a chef under his tutelage for those few months. Uh, his nephew, Christian, got us this beautiful kitchen rented out, uh, near near kind of Stuttgart and you know we just put our heads down and worked and it was all about the competition we went on day one so we had I think two days to prep it and then we would go to the event space uh mess of Stuttgart at it was like 5 a.m and we had till seven and we had to be out of there and that's completely setting the table up getting all the food plated uh presented doing any final touches so that two hours was like the fastest two hours of my life. I mean, it, I think the rest of the team can kind of, you know, confirm that. But just the, the nervous energy, we weren't nervous like, oh, man, I, we hope we do good. It's yeah, it was that nervous energy that we we knew what we were going to do um, and we were there to do it. This wasn't a vacation for us. Uh, my mom, uh, my brother and my sister-in-law all went and like, when are we going to see you? It's like. You may see us in passing, but we're here to work. At the end, right? After the judging. Yeah, we we did get to spend one full day with them, which was which was great. So with Chef Hoffmeister, he was so passionate because he's won multiple gold medals at the Olympics. Uh, they won the World Cup back in the day. And he was like, listen, we're going on day one. We're going to be there for seven days. All of you were putting up as individuals then. And it's like, Chef, come on. It's like, no, like you're going to represent – the United States, but I also want you to compete as an individual so you can get that experience. Because with the team, Colin, there were certain aspects that, you know, our pastry chef, Susan Notter, single-handedly, you know, I give her credit for helping us get that gold medal because her work was amazing. But there were things that, you know, I might help Susan do with the team. She might help me do. She would plate something for me. Sure. Whereas an individual, like you're kind of working on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so the team atmosphere was beautiful. We had a really great relationship. You know, Rob Marilla was our team captain, Stephen Bush, Eric Yeager, and Susan Notter, myself. Great dynamic. Uh, but then in individuals, it's all you. We still helped each other out to an extent, but it was a totally different vibe. Um, a lot less pressure, which was great. Um, but it was still... You know, you're going to you know try to win a gold medal. So we try to put our best foot forward, and um, it, w- it was really cool time. But just seeing the massive amount of people, you know, flooding into Mesa Stuttgart with their food and these sugar and chocolate sculptures were just like awe inspiring. Mm-hmm. But once we were um, called to the podium and they announced Team USA gold medal, it was like wow. You know, we all got goosebumps. We were people were crying in the stands. Uh, it was great. So it was great because I got to hug my mom right after that. And then uh, 
we went right back to work. Yeah. And uh, the last day, it was like the, the, the grand ceremony. And it was, it was, we were supposed to have a meeting with all the other U.S. teams. Uh, we were supposed to go out to lunch with them. Um, but our coach, Rand Hoffman, said, no, we're staying. We're staying for the ceremony. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take forever, chef. And when they announced the regional teams, uh, I believe it was like uh, we were called, they said third place regional teams, ACF Team USA. And we were like, what? It was such a shock because for us, like we've seen our food for seven months and we were so happy with gold medal. But, you know, then you get in your head like, oh, well, this this team did better, this team did better. But, right. you know, the, the, the devil was in the details with us, I believe. there was Once you got up and looked at the food, there were so many little details that might be overlooked by the naked eye, but to a judge – they may have seen something a little bit differently. And yeah. I mean, we were just ecstatic to, to be called on stage and receive that, uh, that prize. So very good. Definitely a amazing trip. And I'm trying to recruit people to compete as individuals in 2024 with me. <laughs> so <laughs> Morgan Hannigan and Joe broker, you got to go calling you out. <laughs> so that was really great that your mom got to be part of that too. I mean, yeah. you know, especially earlier on, Jay may have had her little doubts yeah. about culinary school. I mean, now she's you know, what, so proud, I bet, you know, being there and getting to witness that firsthand. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it's, she's been there for, through everything, you know, she gave me life. So she was, uh, I always tell people like she was my number one, uh, you know, fundraiser anytime I needed some money because like I said, everything was out of pocket. So yeah. All that travel and flying and practice travel and flying. And like, I had a lobster dish on. I'm like, I'm buying cases of lobster tails to practice on. It's like, man, caviar. So it's like, you know, mom, can I, can I get 200 bucks? So she, she always helped me out. Yeah. You got to take time off from your job. You know, a lot of people that are working. I mean, you know, that that's hard because now you don't have income. Yeah. You don't have sponsors. Whew. Yeah. And it was like, I would work my normal shift and then I would stay at the restaurant for like three, four hours, you know, up, leading up to the, the days we had our showings and just grind at nighttime and, you know, by myself, I didn't have anybody really helping me, but it's really, um, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a very, I think, special type of person to, to do something like that and to gel as well as our team did all totally different chefs on our own, but we had one mission to kind of, we wanted the table to look as almost if one person did it by themselves, because we didn't want to say like, Oh, Eric, your plating style is really cool. My plating style is going to be very, you know, contemporary. Uh, Steven, your plating style is like all over the wall. He's crazy. Color. No, it was like, it looked like one person did everything. All gelled. Yeah. So it gelled really well. But yeah. Having my mom there was, was awesome. Now, if, if someone is listening and was interested in finding out about how does it work? I mean, do you, do you apply or are you chosen? Someone comes and says, you're on the team or does people apply and have tryouts? Yeah. How does that work? So they just had tryouts for 2024 and you have to have a, you know, a, you know, bio typed up. You have to have, you know, some written, uh, you know, documentation sent in. And then based off of your experience, your references, they may invite you out for, for a tryout, which would be, you know, in a different city. Uh, sometimes it's held at like ACF conventions, uh, but you would do, you know, a, a, a platter, which is very big in the Olympics. And then, uh, if you do well, you're right up for a second trial, which is hot food. So uh, with with my team, there were already – all the chefs were accounted for, but, you know, closer to the competition, there was an opening. So I know there were several other people kind of uh, interviewing and competing for that spot, but Stephen Bush, who was on the team, kind of vouched for me and said, hey, let's give this guy a shot. And uh, 
I pretty much went out there on like a pretty short notice and I did a three course starter menu for them to gel with the team. Then I went back a second time to see if I could take the critiques and criticism and make improvements based off of what the team suggested. And that's when they offered me the position. And I mean, it was a really exciting time for me. Pretty good. Yeah. But I guess you would say if someone was listening, wanted to get into it, start like you did at your school, yeah, local level, practicing there, go to you know maybe where yeah. you work, some local ACF competitions, and then you know get your feet wet, get that experience, you work your way up. Yeah, sure. You can go on the ACF website and they'll have like regional events and you know enter KCOM, enter you know you find a category if you've never done a buffet platter, they're intimidating, uh, and you may not even medal if you put one up, but the you know, the reps of going through it and getting that critique from, you know, a seasoned chef who's a floor judge for the ACF, you know, getting that critique, you might come back next time and get a bronze. Mm-hmm. And then you might come back in a year and get a silver. And then it's like, man, I got I to get that gold. So there are a lot of, you know, competitions that are available for us. A lot of people ask me, like, when did you start training for the Olympics? And my answer has always been like, the day I signed up from culinary school, I just, I didn't know it. I had no idea I was training right. for that. It's just kind of the way, you know, my path has taken me. And definitely like the Greenbrier and apprenticeship like that is kind of catered to it. But yeah, look at your, you know, your local school, your local ACF chapter. And, you know, that they have competitions, sign up for them. It's, you know, mm-hmm. you'll get to the point where you're comfortable being uncomfortable with those kind of things. Cause it is, you know, you're putting yourself out there. Right. It may be on like a buffet platter or three plates, but, you know, you put your heart, time and soul into it so yeah uh, it hurts when you hear you know bad feedback but all feedback's good feedback it's just you know room to build upon but right yeah i've been a judge and an evaluator in the past for different types of competition and i used to always tell the competitors you're all winners because the objective isn't necessarily to get the gold or the silver which is what you want you might just get the certificate for competing but it's really about that learning because you you do win you get so much knowledge like you had from all that feedback from all those you know master chefs and stuff that's the true education Mm -hmm. and learning that then you can then build upon yeah for sure and it was funny when i went to germany when we competed as individuals, I remember specifically a gentleman from Italy was called for a category and he got a bronze medal. And you could tell he was so excited to win a bronze medal at the Olympics. Um, and then when I was called for an individual, uh, I received the bronze medal. I was like, oh, man. It's like I had higher expectations for myself. Um, <laughs> but that the food I did there was kind of not what the judges were wanting to see. So, I mean, it it all depends on the judges, but every judge is going to be different. Sure. But, you know, take what, you know, this judge gives you, that judge gives you, and another judge gives you, kind of find, you know, a nice little uh, combination of everything that meshes well together and, you know, you'll be on your way to something great. Awesome. And you said that you're doing more mentorship and things like that. What if someone is listening and wants to follow your journey more or wants to reach out to you, has some mm-hmm. questions about maybe Germany, the culinary Olympics, or like employment with you know people that you know, the country club? How can they follow you? How can they reach you? So I'm like, I'm a ghost on social media. I don't have any like <laughs> Facebook. I have an Instagram account just so I could follow a couple people who, you know, inspire me, who aren't even really in culinary. Uh, but definitely the best way is to get on my LinkedIn, uh, Joe Peroni. That's J-O-E-P-E-R-O-N-E-Y. Um, and I, I'm pretty responsive on there. Um, that's pretty much the only way <laughs> people can find me as of, as of the moment. Um, our club is very private. So 
uh, even if I did have a social media page, I wouldn't be posting anything we're, we're doing there. Right. But yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn and be happy to talk to you, answer any questions. And if I can guide somebody in the right career path uh, to make a, a good decision or put you in contact with somebody, I'm more than happy to do that. It's There's no selfishness here. Uh, you know, you're not, you know, coming to take my job. It's we're, we're all in this industry together. And the more people you have, uh, you know, surrounding you, the the better it's going to be. So definitely reach out if anybody has any questions. So true. So true. And I will put that link into the show notes page. So if anyone's okay. listening and wants to, uh, you know, get in touch with you, they'll have the LinkedIn link right there that they can just yep. click on if they didn't quite catch that. So what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career in this industry or similar to yours or is thinking about going to culinary school, you know, going to the kitchens today? What would you tell them? Uh, first, I would tell them, you know, if you are thinking about a culinary school, definitely talk to the professors and staff beforehand, uh, get a feel for them, where they've been, learn, you know, what they're kind of about, what the school's about. And then once you get in there, nobody's nobody's going to do the work for you. I mean, culinary school can be really fun at times. Uh, don't, you know, let that kind of hold you back. You know, if you're there to learn, give it your full effort. It sounds kind of cliche, but you got to put 110% in um, if you want to be really successful in this industry. So like I said, nobody's going to do the work for you. So, you know, study. You know, I remember, you know, a lot of times we'd have like quizzes or tests and they would like bomb the paper aspect of it. That to me is just as, if not more important, than the physical ability to cook something. So really study hard, uh, ask questions, you know, answer questions when they call upon you and, you know, find that group that, you know, little cluster of people in your school you can rely on as your support staff and uh, keep them very close to you. Not even while you're at school, but through the years, like I said, if it wasn't for some of the, the mentors I made there, and some of the memories I made there, I don't know where I would where I would be, uh, to be honest with you. So, just keep keep doing the work, work hard, and it's a long, hard road. And culinary, you know, it's it's not a glamorous job. It really isn't. So, long hours. You know, you're on your feet. I, I wear an Apple Watch at work, and it was telling me, like, reminding me to sit down. It's like, all right, watch, gonna take you off. Um, <laughs> I can't sit down. Yeah, you see, it's like, oh. I stood for 14 hours today. Great. Okay. Um, so it is really taxing on the body and uh, the mind, but really you know, like try to find, you know, a good work-life balance. And, you know, I do know several young people who were thinking about going to culinary school and, and maybe for the wrong reasons, like they thought it would be cool. Um, you know, there's going to be times where, you know, you're going to miss a lot of things. You're going to miss, you know, birthdays, weddings, uh, a lot of family activities, you know, I've seen my family now more since I moved here in January. I've seen them more now than I probably have in the last five years. Uh, so I go home like every week and see them, but you know, you're going to miss a lot and there's going to be a lot of expectations. Uh, just know that going into it, uh, weekends, holidays are pretty much out of the question of being off yeah. uh, for the most part, unless you find an establishment that, that's going to cater to those kind of things, but a lot of hard work. But as long as you have, like I said, the mentorship support staff, it makes it a lot easier and uh, it's a pretty, pretty fun ride along the way. 
Yeah. And then you made a, brought up a great point there. Visit the school if you can. I mean, and even today you can do a lot of that virtually. But if you're thinking of going to culinary school, you know, they often have open houses where you can go meet the faculty, talk to some mm-hmm. of the current students, you know, go kick the tires, you know, check it out, see if it's yeah. for you and you know, really delve into it. Don't just do it as a, you know, off the cuff, spur of the moment type thing. Yeah. I know Westmoreland, they had uh, every year we would have something like that. And kind of the, you know, the higher up students would go and kind of talk to people maybe in high school uh, or like a, a technical school in high school. We get a lot of people who are in that vocational tech programs that, you know, are doing baking or culinary and they transition to the college. So yeah, it's, we're, you know, anybody, I say we, like I'm still there, but we're there to help. We're there to answer questions. Um, don't be ashamed to ask because, you know, we've all had probably the same thoughts, the same questions at one point in time. And you know, just have that open line of dialogue. And it's funny, like the more you ask and get involved with somebody, like the more willing they are to help you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're kind of, you know, put yourself in a corner, don't interact or don't ask questions. It's like, oh, that that person's just there. But if you're involved and, you know, you want to learn, you're willing to to make those uncomfortable conversations at time, then really they're going to see that, notice that and go above and beyond to, to make sure you're getting uh, you know, the, the, the questions answer that you're asking. Yeah. You're not bothering them. That's why they're there. They're there to ask questions. You're actually helping yeah. them because if nobody asks, it's, you know, pretty bad. It's not very yeah. fruitful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, one last thing, cause you didn't mention that it is hard, this industry and you're on your feet and you got to take care of your health, you know, physical, mental mm-hmm. health. Could you speak to like some of the taboos from the industry? Because you know, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of family issues. There's substance abuse. Yeah. Maybe some things that you've seen or some advice that you could talk to the listeners about that. Yeah. Um, going back to, I mentioned before, like one of the, the places I was at, like we weren't getting our paychecks regularly and it was kind of like a, a party environment you come in and like some of the staff would stay late and, you know, be eating and drinking and, you know, people would be coming in hungover, uh, you know, throughout my career, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't want to say that's, you know, a regular thing. If you find a nice respectable property or restaurant, there's going to be a lot higher standards. Um, definitely like the mental health. I mean, I, I thought about getting out of culinary altogether, uh, dropping out of the apprenticeship program, saying no to the Olympics. Um, but it, it is hard. I would say it's harder mentally a lot of times than it is physically because at the end of the day, you know, we, we joke around sometimes we'll come in and it's like, end of the day, you're breaking in your station. It's like, Oh my gosh, like I haven't eaten anything yet. I have to pee. Like I haven't gone to the bathroom all day. Like we've been so busy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it is, but it's not like that every day. Um, but you know, as a young culinarian and coming through the industry, it is kind of daunting, like seeing, that amount of hours and being on six days a week and getting called in on your seventh day, potentially it's going to happen, but definitely take care of yourself. Uh, it's easier said than done. Uh, like I said, the mental side is a little bit more challenging and you do miss a lot of things. It's, you know, I would love to spend Christmases with my family, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, we have like in the green bar, like 1300 people in house that are expecting to eat. So they're not, they're not letting you have a day off. <laughs> That's for sure. No matter how nice you ask. Right, right. Yeah, this industry, you know, you work when everybody else is off and we're off, what, Monday, Tuesday when everyone else is yeah. working. So, <laughs> And it, it's kind of funny. Like, I had a weekend off about two years ago. And I, I go out and it's like, what's going on? Like, why is this place so busy? And I went and told somebody, like, what's the weekend? It's like, 
that makes sense now. Like I like going to the grocery store on a Monday way better and sure, you know, running my errands and you know, not having a, a 30 minute Starbucks line. Much more efficient. Yeah. Much yeah. more efficient during the week. Get in and get out. That's right. <laughs> well, that is just about all the time we have for this episode. And I want to first thank you, Joe, for coming on the show today and sharing your culinary school story with all of us. We really appreciate, you know, your time, your insight and all of your honesty. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope that somebody can kind of relate to my story. And if it inspires one person to do something great, I mean, I did my job here. So really happy. And thank you again for your time. Uh, it's been a nice, nice conversation with you. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And a big thanks and appreciation also goes out to all of you, the listeners. We hope you enjoy the show and this episode. You all are a big part of this show, so please let us know what you think. Your comments are always welcome, and they help us in making the best show possible. You can email them to culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. That's culinaryschoolstories at gmail.com. Or even leave us a voicemail at area code 207-835-1275. That's area code 207 207- 835-1275. And if you like the show, we have a big ask of all of you, and that is to share the podcast with everyone you know and to give us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, until our next Culinary School Story, take care and be well. Bye-bye. Culinary School Stories is a proud member of the Food Media Network.